This is episode number 16 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome on to another episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. So today we want to discuss the topic of body after baby because we talked about it in our very first To Birth and Beyond podcast episode. We had a lot of amazing feedback and we knew, we knew the discussion wasn't over. Plus, our guest today has so much insight to share about her own experience with her body after two babies, but also she works with many moms as a prenatal and postnatal chiropractor. So welcome, Dr. Jillian. Hello, thank you. And we're so excited. So Dr. Jillian uh, Sawyer uh, is a mama of two, a wife, a Canadian chiropractor with a focus on women's health, specifically helping moms through aches and pains of pregnancy and postpartum. She is also the creator of the online program, Your Body After Baby, and co-host of the Movement and Motherhood in-person workshops and retreats. And her mission is to help normalize our postpartum experiences so that we don't have to suffer through the feelings of, why didn't anyone tell me any of this all by ourselves? So Jillian, can you share a bit more or anything that I didn't mention about you just to let everyone know? Um, and yeah, we're so excited to have you today. Thanks so much. That was pretty awesome. I don't know how much more I have to add. Um, I've got two little girls. They're four and two. So it's crazy, crazy time over here all the time. And um, I really got into this whole postpartum world deeply going through it myself the first time. Um, it was a shock all around. And uh, I just had that feeling so many times of nobody told me any of this. And I don't want people to feel like that. Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that all three of us would say is a common line that is shared in our work that we do. And that is really the driving force of my work too, because I didn't feel like that postpartum. And the only reason I didn't feel like that was because I had worked with moms for a decade prior and I had heard all the stories in the world. And so I yeah. felt really lucky to have that. I know that some people sometimes want to put blinders on and don't want to hear the postpartum stories that could make them nervous and fearful. But for me, I felt that it was comforting going into it because I had all the information on both sides. So do people respond in fear to your message ever about the realities of postpartum and motherhood life? Mostly not. Mostly people are just appreciative, especially if they're in it already. I feel like when you're pregnant and you're just in the m mindset of like your body at that moment and birth, you can't really like even wrap your head around what that will be like because it's such a foreign concept. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And for anyone that doesn't know, Dr. Jillian and I are neighbors and it's the best situation ever. <laughs> <laughs> 
pretty much. It's <laughs> amazing. Okay, so what was your experience of your body after baby with baby one versus baby number two? Yeah, so baby number one was, I would say just generally more my body. I felt so many changes and new things in my body that I wasn't expecting that nobody had addressed with me while I was pregnant, that still in the postpartum period, that early like few six weeks, that really new phase, it still was just like, oh, this must be just because I had a baby. Um, my birth was really quick, so it took me a long time to process that and how it all went down. And I just kept saying to myself, like, oh, this must be normal. Like, I must be the same as everyone else. But, like, there was really no guidance in terms of was that really normal. I was just guessing, really. And then with baby number two, I think it was way more mental for me. I was expecting the physical body changes in that postpartum period, but um, the mental health component, because I was just kind of surviving the first time around, uh, the second time around that hit me way harder. And there was so much more diving into my mental health as opposed to my physical health. And what do you wish you knew about your body after baby going into your first that you would want to share with other expecting moms who are listening? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's just so much. Like, you could start anywhere. First of all, just like pelvic floor stuff, how your pelvic floor is supposed to feel. What's an indication that things maybe need to be assessed? when should you go see a pelvic health physio? All these things were just me navigating and guessing and asking colleagues. Um, That there's, like, it's going to be so variable for everyone. So when you're watching stuff on social media, to not take that as what is normal, because oftentimes that is a facade about how people are actually doing, and it can make you feel like crap when you're watching that, sitting in your own, like, house just pretty much sobbing every day and feeling terrible in your body and then seeing everyone else killing it online um and then the emotions and the mental health piece i wish somebody would have just navigated me through the fluctuations in hormones especially with breastfeeding and things like that and then just like how hard it is mentally to care for somebody all the time and have that on you like there's just so many things right? I feel like it doesn't leave anything untouched, essentially. Yeah. And when you talk about your body after baby, that's what it means to you. All these factors. Yeah. Yeah, We're not specifically even addressing like getting your body back after baby. It's all this other stuff. Quite the opposite of getting your body back. It's like we are whole people and you can't just say, oh yeah, my jeans fit. Like I'm good. Like there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. And I feel I see that a lot with um, my clients. And I know both of you talk about public health, obviously, with your clients. And because I have some clients come in and, you know, a lot of people assume from the outside that everything is good to go postpartum. And they're coming in and they're leaking and they have prolapse and they have a diastasis that you can't tell when they're wearing clothes. And So I think it's a good point to bring up, especially with social media, like you may see the exterior of someone, but you have no idea internally, physically, mentally, and emotionally what they're actually going through. 100%. 
Can we talk about your physical recovery after baby number one versus baby number two and the things that you did specifically differently during, say, that pregnancy and postpartum number one versus number two? I wasn't super physical during my first pregnancy. Um, you and I had met after when I was postpartum after my first babe. And so I went into the second pregnancy um, having already rehabbed my core and pelvic floor um, with the help of pelvic floor physio and then with the help of your program. And um, I continued on that path through the second pregnancy. So I feel like my body physically, in terms of my core and pelvic floor, recovered so much better after baby number two, which I wasn't expecting. I thought, oh gosh, if it was at that stage postpartum after one, I was just gearing up for it not to be super great, but it actually was way better. Yeah, I remember when we assessed your diastasis after Andy, your second, at yeah. four weeks postpartum, five weeks postpartum, and it wasn't even a thing that you needed to consider. Like, it had healed so well. And so then good. I remember at four months postpartum with your first daughter, Audrey, that's when you started doing some strength training in one of my classes. And at that point, I don't think you had seen pelvic floor physio. No. No, it was a bit later, like eight months or something postpartum. So yeah, you were still yeah. feeling like you were kind of in the throes of figuring out all the physical stuff or not even really knowing what was happening with the physical stuff with diastasis and pelvic floor and prolapse and all the things. 100%, yeah. And so Jillian, what would you say after, since having your two little ones, how has your experience changed how you work with moms, like in the clinic or with the online work that you're doing? Oh my goodness. It's like one of those things where you like, you just don't, it's so hard to fathom what that's like until you're living it. And so I approach women postpartum and in pregnancy now, just like giving them space and um, really asking how they're doing. Right. And really listening to that and not focusing on all the things that like, let's check off all these boxes, but like, how are you actually doing? Because how many people stop and ask you how you're doing. It's so important. So that's my approach is just just listening to moms because they need that space and they might not be getting it anywhere else. And I think what you do so well is giving people permission to not be okay postpartum. Mm -hmm. I think that's really key in your work. And that's what so many people who have commented about you to me have said that they just feel like they could talk to you about anything and everything. So that must be so powerful in the work you do in person with people one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, it's so impactful. And it's like, it's such a blessing that people feel that way because that's really what I'm going for all around. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah. What different health professionals do you find expecting moms should know about to create a postpartum support dream team? My number one thing for moms when they're pregnant is talking about pelvic health physio. And a lot of the times, like now I'm finding it's way more out there. It's out more on social media. There's more education about it. A lot of the times people with like um, different healthcare providers, it depends. They're maybe not even getting told about that while they're pregnant. So that is a non-negotiable thing for my moms uh, going into postpartum and trying to guide them in terms of like what symptoms they might be feeling and what timing would be good. Um, the other thing that's so huge is the postpartum support. So a postpartum doula or just like a meal service or anything like that, that you can put together to help to support you in that role, because that's usually not fulfilled. 
Um, I do a lot in the chiropractic world just with like reassessing the alignment of the pelvis so you can have that healing happen in a nice neutral pelvis as opposed to like that open position that we're in during pregnancy. Um, what else? So, so helpful to have um, the guidance with return to exercise. So having someone like you, Jesse, that's just giving correct information in terms of how to start moving your body. And then um, the mental health piece is huge. Like this is just a open conversation that needs to be had because there's, there's still stigma around it and there doesn't need to be and just giving people the resources and that that's okay and normal and such a great thing to take advantage of. So much great info for especially expecting moms to know ahead of time, which is helpful. And what about moms who are like postpartum going through this or having gone through this? What would be a couple of tips that you would give them? Um, just to reach out for help because you know that they're sitting there thinking like, well, I can just get through this or I don't need help or Susie down the street doesn't need help. So why should I? So just like give yourself a space to just accept where you're at and ask for help. And there's so many resources, I guess, out there to utilize, like so many. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Can we talk about the actual chiropractic work that you do in person with mm. people? What are people generally coming to you for postpartum? Why do they walk in the door and want to see you? Yeah, so oftentimes it's moms coming in that have been under my care during pregnancy. Um, but we're really looking at pelvic joint dysfunction. So pain that is associated with the pubic symphysis and the SI joints, so correlated with the amount of tension in the pelvic floor. Um, a lot of times the hip flexors are so tight during pregnancy that it's really nice to release that. And then we do a lot of work with the diaphragm because the diaphragm is so restricted with a baby in your belly that it's so key to get the diaphragm working properly again. And then getting into that functional breathing pattern, because that I feel like is so restricted during pregnancy and is such a huge thing when we're talking about the pelvic floor function and your core function postpartum. Um, and then otherwise, it's like the upper back tension because you're holding babies all day and it just feels like a track idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day, uh, considering right? thinking about how I feel postpartum after potential c-section you just forget what it's like to hold babies all the time like I rarely yeah. pick up steel now she doesn't need to be picked up she doesn't want to be picked up and then flashback to three years ago almost and you're just in it for hours a day I don't even remember yeah. what it's like no <laughs> can, can steel talk to Pippa because she still wants to be picked up all the time and I would... <laughs> I'm like, you have legs, you can walk. I'm like, you don't need to be picked up, but she still wants to. So, it's so funny. It's actually interesting because Steele has just started asking again to be picked up sometimes. And of course, it's like nearing the end of pregnancy. I'm like, no, girl, you got this. I can't handle this right now. Please walk or carry your bike down the street. <laughs> I saw that today. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm like, I'm not carrying this for you. If you bring your bike, you're taking care right. of it yourself. Yeah. Um, okay, another selfish question from me, though, is yeah. even though you had such different experiences, postpartum one versus postpartum two, what could you still have done or what would you do again, say if you were to have a third baby, to make that experience feel even more supported in your whole life, in your whole body? 
I, uh, I still, the second time around and still now to this day, having a two-year-old and a four-year-old, um, I don't ask for enough help. Like, I need to practice what I preach in terms of that stuff and really set up, like, a, a support network that's, like, supporting me and giving me space to be able to look, function as a human being because it's just give, 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 give. And I still, like, I'm still putting myself at the bottom of the priority list. So rejigging that mindset still is an ongoing thing, and I, I wish I could have done a little bit better with that both times. And so we'd love to also hear more. Jess and I both know about your amazing online program and we know all the listeners would love to learn as well because this is so key for postpartum moms and an amazing gift for expecting moms as well. So tell us a bit just about the program, what it entails and uh, who's in it. Yeah, so I did, I put together an online program where I interviewed women's health experts from around the world to help to just open these conversations, really. So some moms that are listening in on these interviews may have never heard of pelvic organ prolapse, or they've never heard of fecal incontinence, or they've never heard of postpartum rage, or they were told to do whatever they were doing pre-pregnancy at six weeks postpartum. Um, they've never heard of birth trauma. There's just the list goes on. So I just really wanted to get these experts to speak to all of these things that come up for so many women and give them a safe space to um, help navigate. So just give them a jumping off point in terms of this is what these things are. This is how to recognize maybe if you're struggling with it. Here's some resources if you don't have them and just normalize it. The whole purpose of the program is to normalize postpartum because there's so many women sitting there in those like perfect nurseries, rocking their babies in tears every single day, totally alone. And it's not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. It really isn't. What is the difference between what your body after baby meant for you after number one versus after number two? And what led you to creating this program? I feel like the first time around, I was so focused on like the physical aspects and I just needed to bring that mental health and emotional well-being aspect to the table and um, look at a mom postpartum as a whole person and try to just touch all those things that go down. I created the program because I had so many, so many teary days in my rocking chair, just having the exact same thought of like, why didn't anyone tell me this? And I'm in this industry, like I have colleagues in these roles and I have a lot of information in my head with all this stuff, but it's so different when you're going through it. Yeah, 100%. I hope that that's reassuring to moms who might be listening in who are thinking, why did no one tell me this and feeling let down by themselves, their own research, the care that they got in pregnancy and postpartum. It's just simply that it is not discussed and it is not educated on. We all work specifically in this industry and it has taken us years and decades of being immersed in it to know what we know. So it is not in any way your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just that we need to get this information in the hands of people and the care in pregnancy and postpartum often is simply focusing on the baby and not about mom's health. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a lost piece. It's like you're you're in the like room with a postpartum mom and it's like, how's baby sleeping? How do you have a good baby? Whatever that means. Like, but it's just, it's not like, how are you doing? Like, how are you sleeping? How, what are your thoughts like right now? How does your pelvic floor feel? 
how is your relationship been strained? You know what I mean? Like there's just so many things and for people to see that other people, especially professionals are still dealing with the exact same thing that the general public is dealing with. That's huge. We have to take away this like perfection thing on social media and really have these real conversations out loud where everyone can see them. And so people say, oh, wow, Dr. Jillian has that too? 100%. Like, this is what it's all about. We need to normalize this because there's no gradient of where people are sitting with this. This affects people all across the board. Mm -hmm. And I think for everyone hearing this information, it's important not to make the assumption that you're going to hear this from your care provider. Um, mm -hmm. And not that your care provider doesn't care about this. Some are aware of these extra supports and some are not um, but they're also limited in the time they get to talk to you and depending on who you see some have more time with you than others um, but yeah I'd say that's my big piece of advice is don't assume because I think everyone thinks oh my midwife or my doctor is going to tell me about this but they might not um, so if you're hearing this it's like take this to use it as like preparation if you're expecting if you're postpartum starting to work on this you know when you can um, and then sharing it with others. Because I'd say the biggest thing with my, in terms of my physio clients is they hear a lot about this from like girlfriends and family. Mm -hmm. um, that they're like, oh, my friend did this or like my cousin did this. And it's not always from their care provider. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest shifts that I took into the second pregnancy myself was putting the focus on healthcare more on me. And that can be really uncomfortable to say and that can be really uncomfortable for people to hear because we just have this idea that baby's health is the most important thing and it is baby's health is important and mom's health is important it's not one or the other it's not this um it's not this dichotomy both pieces of the puzzle are so important in this whole process and the entire family's health in general too which is another piece of the puzzle which can get lost so deeply. So I think when we go into thinking about your body after baby, like really your body after baby and center yourself in this as much as you can. And it's not selfish and it's really okay and important to do so. Mm -hmm. And the other piece here that I just feel like needs to be reiterated is you have to be an advocate for yourself. I watched my mom go through cancer treatments and how much we had to advocate for her when she was in that. Even if you're not at that extreme in the healthcare system, I, you need to ask the questions. If something doesn't feel right and you don't get the right answer, you need to ask again. You need a second and a third opinion and keep on going until you're satisfied with the answer because you can't, like your health is worth more than anything. So to advocate for yourself and not be scared to be the annoying patient, be that patient. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it's such a good point. And I always talk to clients about, because I think it's a hard thing in the medical system to ask questions because we feel like we're questioning the care provider or the health, whoever you're working with. And I tell clients, it's not personal and it's not that you're questioning them as a person, you're asking questions to help yourself. Like you deserve to get answers or as Jillian said, second opinion, a third opinion. Um, but I think it is really hard. And even us as professionals, I find it hard as well. So it's not easy for everyone to ask, but it's just so worth asking the questions. Then you can make informed decisions, whether it's in pregnancy, during birth, postpartum, because you really deserve to get those answers. Yeah. 
<laughs> I've had an interesting experience with this just recently working with midwives in the second pregnancy and feeling almost like oh, a little ashamed about asking about the process of a scheduled c-section and what that would look like because I have these stories in my mind that they want me to have a birth that looks differently so it's even just checking your own ideas about the practitioners that you might be working with and really it's exactly what you said advocating for yourself and being absolutely okay and confident and standing up for what you might want in these situations because no one's going to stand up for you right mm -hmm. we do a great job in canada we still uh, like we do such a great job with healthcare in canada truly but we still need to um we did need to dig deeper and ask the questions you know yeah and i think too that often um I do have a lot of clients who, when they do ask their care provider questions or at a birth, I was at with a client as her physio doula. Um, and she was asking questions throughout her labor for different reasons. And the care provider wasn't offended. If it was more that they were almost surprised because they're like, no one asked me this question. So I'm happy to give you like the answer um, or give you the options or the benefits or risks. But I think most often they're almost surprised because no one asks questions. So just always remember that they're not gonna, they're not going to necessarily think you're annoying or anything like mm -hmm. that, that they just might be surprised because no one asks questions, but we all should more often. Absolutely. Um, there is, I guess one, like just speaking about during pregnancy and during the birth process. Um, I had a really great conversation with Amy Dawes from Australia. She heads up the birth trauma association down there and, um, the informed consent process during pregnancy. Um, I think a lot of people can identify with the fact that like you go into the birth expecting a certain thing and you haven't even had the risks of certain things that can come up discussed with you while you're pregnant. And how do you make those decisions in that moment of birth logically with all the emotion involved without having that been discussed with you beforehand? They're trying to get the medical system down there to um, wrap their heads around that and make that informed consent during pregnancy a huge thing. And I think it's so important because you could go like you could go into a C-section and maybe you or your partner have never even heard of the risks with the C-section, but you're ha hearing them in those moments of like stress. And then you get past the birth and you deal with a lot of stuff after that because you almost feel like all these things just happen to you um so i think the advocacy for your body after baby is huge but while you're pregnant is more huge you know? yeah, and just you shared about that with your when you were in the midst of i think you were saying in the last podcast you're you know signing papers and randy's in the corner getting your clothes ready and you like like blurry and trying to like and then you're having to sign these papers but yet you know steals heart rate so yeah I feel like I totally agree that if things were discussed before and it's not to say you can't change your mind in birth like mm -hmm. you may have heard the risks and benefits before and say it okay you know I'd prefer this route but then when you're in birth at least you've heard them before right you can change your mind but yeah to not know until the midst of an emergency or not fully being present that's yeah something that needs to i think change in every country mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's such an interesting topic of conversation. And Amy is doing incredible work, thankfully. Yeah, it was so interesting thinking back on our experience with emergency C-section because I did know what would happen if we were going to a C-section, but I don't think I ever really considered what it would look like if it was an emergency situation. It was something that we absolutely did not discuss during my care, and I was with midwives who are extremely thorough. So yeah, getting to getting to that stage in a labor and birth where things are rushed and you are out of it and you don't know what's happening and everything is tense and a little bit fearful and things have to move very quickly. It's a lot to go through, absolutely. And so much to process afterwards as well. And something that has come into my thought process with thinking about this next birth and knowing what that felt like is comforting in one way if we had to go through that again because at least I could have some idea about what that process entailed but on the other hand not wanting to go through that experience again and just being really honest with myself on both sides um so Jillian can you share where people can find out more about you so how they can work with you in person online as well as your amazing program my website is jilliansawyer.com and there is a work with me tab that um you can connect with me in person in the clinic or at our retreats and workshops or the online program. Um, my social media is at Dr. Jillian Sawyer uh, for both Facebook and Instagram. And I will give you and the listeners a special link to the program with a 50% off um, code. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And it needs to be in the hands of everyone. So yes, that would be amazing. So good. Thank you so much for that. Can you just tell us a little bit more more about the in-person workshop and retreat that you do for those who might be local to our area in Calgary, Alberta? Yeah. So we call it movement and motherhood. And it's basically reconnecting with your body after baby. So we are teaching those functional, um, movement patterns that are so nice to reestablish after you've been through a pregnancy. We're looking at grieving patterns and um, just giving the appropriate tools. So when people are returning to exercise and movement, that they feel confident in what they're feeling in their own body, essentially. And then it's just a place to connect. I feel like the in-person work is awesome because creating that space for moms that are all in the same boat is amazing and like you can't replicate that anywhere especially online amazing all right jillian thank you so much for being on we appreciate your work hugely it is so powerful for the people who are coming in contact with you and again we will be having that 50 percent off discount link to your program your body after baby in the show notes for today's episode thanks so much for having me and thank you for the work that you guys are doing So on the next episode, we'll be having a returning guest, Dr. Mariska Taylor, and she'll be talking about navigating through postpartum and motherhood, specifically looking at hormone changes that we all go through and have a lot of questions about. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. 
And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 